you so much for joining us today on episode number 157 of the Real Life Runners podcast. So runners tend to have pretty strong legs, but there's an area of the leg that we really need to focus on if we are going to improve our power, improve our speed, and decrease our risk of injury, especially as we get older. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so if you listen to the intro, I left a little teaser. So what area of the leg are we going to focus on today? Because if you've ever listened to our past episodes, we've talked a lot about the importance of core strength, about strengthening the glutes. So yeah, which counts people, as the core. Which is part of the core. And so some people might say, oh, it's going to be another episode about my need to strengthen my glutes, but... It's all about the butt. It's not It's <laughs> not about the butt today, Kevin. Come on, get your mind, move your mind further down. Further down. <laughs> so we are not talking about the glutes today, even it's though... It's got to be the hamstrings. The glutes are super important, and if we should probably link to like some of our previous episodes about the glutes, because your glutes as, run, as a runner are super duper important, but that's not what we're focusing on today. So it's got to be the hamstrings, because they literally help bend and curl your leg up behind you with every step. Hamstrings are also very important in distance runners, but also not what we're talking I've about. I've tried to run uphill before, and I'm pretty sure that my calves were scre- my quads were screaming at me so much that it's got it's the quads then. Definitely not the quads today. So it's my calves. It's your calves. It's the first the first one that you just accidentally said when you were trying to talk about your quads. Yeah. So you set this episode <laughs> up, and you're like, all right, we're doing a whole episode on the calves, and I'm like, so that thing that I do before every race where I walk around and I try and judge the competition based solely off of what their calves look like. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah. When Kevin made the outline for this episode, he called it nice calves. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't, we can't get through the episode without my dropping it. And there's not really, I, I outlined this thing. Um, there's no good place to drop this joke and slide it in without it just being like, here comes my joke. So that would be like the priest, like our, our old priest. Like it was, (laughs) here comes the joke. So we had a priest at our church that, um, was from Vietnam. He unfortunately is not with us anymore. They said he's, he got transferred somewhere else. Um, but he would in, in the middle of his homily, he would literally say, okay, here's my joke now. Like, and it would just be, (laughs) there was a pause. (laughs) There was a pause. Then there was the joke. Then there was another pause. He goes, here's the punchline. No, he never said, here's the punchline. But there was definitely a pause, and then he would deliver the punchline, and then he was like, you see, it's funny. It's a joke. <laughs> All right, so here's, here's what I got. There was, um, <laughs> back, when I was in, back when I was in high school, my cross-country coach uh, was in room 212, and the guy that he'd been teaching with and coaching with for years was in room 213. That was the swim and water polo coach. And the joke was to try and convince a freshman to walk up to the water polo coach. His name was Mr. Rogers. And he had calves that were enormous. I remember you, you've even told me about this guy before. He's a water polo guy. Like He, he was like Olympic level water polo guy. So his calves are unbelievably huge and so the trick was to try and convince a freshman to walk up to him and say you know what joke mr rogers really loves go up to him and say hey mr rogers your calves are so big they should be called cows 
because he did not think it was funny at all. Did anyone ever say it to him? Yes, and it, um, he did not appreciate the humor out of it. Oh, no. But he also knew that the freshmen did not come up with it. It was that group of snickering seniors over there right. that put him to it, and he would chase them down, which was also funny because the man could swim really well, but he was not a good runner. So now watching him <laughs> try and like storm after the seniors was always entertaining. <laughs> So your calves, apparently in water polo, are very, very important. But chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a runner and not a water polo player. Still a good joke. Still a good joke. So (laughs) do you have cows or do you have calves? Is that the joke that we're going with here? Sure. (laughs) All right. So like we said, you know, we talk a lot about the core and, you know, the importance of that for our stability as runners. And that's definitely very important. But today we are focusing on the calf because our calf muscles are super duper important for us as runners, especially as we get older and as we, our bodies start to age a bit. Like this is definitely an area where a lot of people tend to start to have issues. That's also a technical doctor of physical therapy term, a super duper important issue. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about running first. Okay. So we're going to get into this by starting to talk a little bit about running mechanics and why your calves are so important. So running is actually a much more complicated process than it first appears. Like you would think it'd be pretty easy. I mean, we start doing it when we're little kids, right? Right. But think about like, watch a a little tiny kid, toddler, learn how to walk. It doesn't go smoothly at first. Mm -hmm. And then you want a lot of coordination necessary. A lot of things that all have to be moving together simultaneously. And if you try to explain to a a small kid, what we're going to do this and then this one, there, there's a language barrier, but two, just try to carefully explain all of the things that you have to do to take a walking step Mm -hmm. and now speed it up. And your form changes ever so slightly as you're running. It's like trying to actually explain to a kid. If you've ever tried to teach your kids how to ride a bike, there's a lot of things happening simultaneously. And it's not just like, well, hold the handlebars and pedal. Sure. And your first pedal will send you veering wildly towards the right and straight into the ground. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of simultaneously moving parts. Running is kind of in that thing. It's a lot more complicated than it seems. And forget a toddler. I mean, just try to pick out a freshman. I mean, like like (laughs) a, a freshman girl, especially like we did. So we had our first week of cross country practice last week and at the high school. And we were starting to teach our team some very basic running drills and literally the first drill that we did was slow marching okay so it's just like it sounds like it's slow marching so you're walking down you're lifting one knee up high and then you're putting it down and the other one high and putting it down and when I tell people that they're fine but I always try and make sure to explain that you also need to make your arms move and when you lift your left leg that means that your right arm has to go And as soon as I state anything about the arms, suddenly it's as though they've never walked before. (laughs) And they're all puppets, and their arm and leg go simultaneously. (laughs) Like their left leg goes up with their left arm, and and they all do it. They're all going, and because they all look at their neighbor, and they're like, yeah, no, that that seems right. And now they're all walking like puppets, and it looks like an in-sync video. Yeah, so we had one girl whose knees were going all over the place, and I don't even know, there was... 
no, no rhythm whatsoever. There was a complete lack of coordination. There was and a then, pause at the top every time. I don't even know what she was doing. I just looked at her and I'm like, she can't even walk. Like, how are we, how are we supposed to teach this girl how to run? And then we had another girl that was literally doing crunches. Like, she was doing, like, bicycle crunches as she was going. She was bringing her opposite elbow towards her opposite knee and, like, twisting her body in every step. And we're like, no, no, no. Just keep your shoulders facing forward and just march. No, just, just march. And it's like, and then... Like, we had to say it multiple times for it to register. So this is not just toddlers. Like, you know, high school kids, even grown adults have issues with coordination because... Running is a very coordinated movement, especially if you're going to do it well and do it effectively, um, not waste a bunch of energy in the process. Like, I always like to think about Phoebe from Friends, right? I mean, that's one of the classics. Like, um, if you guys have ever seen the Friends episode where Phoebe takes up running, she, like, runs with her arms flapping all over the place and just legs going everywhere. search up the gif of Phoebe running and you'll get it. Yeah, you'll definitely get it. So we'll have to post that up in the tribe or on social media. Because that's a good one. So essentially running is this beautifully choreographed dance of muscles that are contracting and relaxing. Mm-hmm. I wrote that. I it's know very you poetic. I know. And I, and I said it. <laughs> but how poetic is that? <laughs> so but good. It, it is. And if you've ever watched runners that are really good at their craft, like Olympic level runners, whether they're distance or sprinters, it is... It, it it's looks, beautiful. It is art in motion. Yes. And... It looks different from a distance running to a sprinting running, but it is still, there is not a single bit of wasted form Mm -hmm. in general. Every once in a while you get the outlier of the athlete that's made it to that level and you're like, huh, that's got an interesting move in the middle of your stride there. And it's just that they've done it years and years and years and a coach probably tried to make them stop doing it after 15 years and it, it made the form even worse. Yeah. So, you know, there is definitely a lot of different running forms out there, but today we're going to break it down. Because there are four main phases, essentially, of the running motion, okay? So the first would be foot strike. So when you're moving onto your foot for the first time, it's you, you can call it foot strike or foot landing. Either one is fine. So basically what happens at this time, that's when your foot hits the ground for the first time. So your body has to absorb that impact. So when your foot hits the ground, it's like Newton's law of motion. What is this? The first law? Yes. Okay. So for every action, there is... That's the third law. That's the... I thought it was the third law. The the first law is inertia. Yes. Yes. It's the third law. So it's for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So when your foot hits the ground, basically your foot places a force on the ground and then the ground actually places an equal force up through the foot. That's why your foot just doesn't go smashing through whatever surface you're on. Um, Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. that's, That's the ideal, right? But when that happens, so the ground force gets transferred up through your body, through the muscles, through the tendons, the ligaments, whatever it might be. So this is why that heel strike, that foot landing is so important. And where you land, where your heel lands is also very important for how those forces are absorbed by the body. Right, because you want to land in sort of a a soft motion so that instead of a jarring landing where your foot is like knee locked and foot out in front of you, that's going to be a jarring landing that essentially shakes all of the bones up mm-hmm. that leg all the way into your hip and then vibrates like lower back and everything like that is a painful landing and all of the forces coming from the ground are now being used to shake and rattle your bones which is not a good thing that's supposed to be happening uh, we need to start to like add little song snippets in our 
um, episodes. Shake, rattle, and roll. Excellent. Right? But your bones should not be vibrating as you're running. Like, it just doesn't no. seem like a comfortable process. Correct. And this is why people are so against heel striking, because when you land on your heel, it's like a very forceful, jarring motion that kind of stops your forward movement. And that transfers a lot more of the ground forces like your your it's harder for your body like your muscles to absorb those those forces so they get transferred more through the bones and are a lot it's a lot harder on the body now some people are super against heel striking no matter what other people have heel straight for years and have never had any injuries and it's because they've altered their form that they heel strike but they land with a enough of a bent knee that it it relaxes the forces coming up right so it depends on your experience as a runner and this is why heel striking itself is not bad <laughs> it it is it's the way that it's done it's the person that does it and it's also just um it's also where the foot lands so it's not necessarily the fact that you're landing on your heel but it's where your foot lands in relation to your body because if you heel strike you also tend a a lot of times people tend to overstride and that's more of the issue versus the heel striking itself for the amount of forces that are in the body. Totally, because I've seen people who are four-foot strikers who also overstride, and in slow motion, a four-foot striker landing with their foot way out in front of them looks just as painful Mm -hmm. as somebody landing on their heel, if not more. Right, so after your foot lands, you essentially go through what's called the transition phase. So you land on whatever part of your foot, either your heel or your midfoot for most people, and then you kind of... um, transition to where your whole foot is on the ground okay so as your foot is in contact with the ground then your body can actually use its muscles to provide the the force against that ground surface while balancing on one foot so the transition phase is like you know you're basically you land so your weight your body weight is coming forward your foot is like going from landing to flat and then it's getting ready to push off but it's not there yet but it's essentially holding the entire like your full body weight on one leg Plus, you just landed, so it's more than just standing on one foot. You still are kind of coming off of that whole foot landing, so you've got, what, like five times your body weight at this point? It's three to seven times, three to five times, three to yeah, seven times, depending on which research study you're looking at. And depending on which part of transition you're really saying. So right at landing is the most impact, and then as you roll through from you know mid to front, or some people who land all the way up on their toes, they don't, you know, People would look at that and say, oh, well, their transition period is going to be super, super short because they're already on their toes, so they'll just flick right off. But in in videotaping people who are forefoot runners in incredibly slow motion, what they tend to do is go from their forefoot, literally push their whole foot down so that their weight's now midfoot, and then go back to their forefoot. And they do it ridiculously fast, so it's still a faster turnover than going through the entire foot rolling, but there's still this transition of weight moving throughout your foot. Mm -hmm. During all of that time, you're trying to not waste muscle, you're trying to stay stable, so this is where core muscles are super important because you're doing all of this process while standing on one leg and moving forward or climbing a hill or going downhill or whatever the thing is, all of this is happening and it's happening at roughly three times every second. Yeah, pretty quickly. So, and then, so from there, okay, so you land, then you come onto the foot, you transition onto your foot, and then the third 
phase, the third cycle, is push off, okay? So that's where you're basically rolling onto your toes and pushing off. And this is where the calf is really, this is where people tend to think about the calf muscles the most. You know, they think about the calf as like the the um, propelling force, right, to push us forward. But your calf actually plays a, a role throughout this entire process. Yes. Yeah. yeah, every stage so far has used the calf. Mm-hmm. So most people think, okay, if I want to run faster, I want to run stronger, I want to feel better, I'm just going to strengthen all these muscles down here so that I can apply the most force on the ground and shoot myself forward as fast as possible. Well, in order to do that, you have to apply that force over this very tiny little time window while your foot's actually in contact with the ground. You can't make yourself go forward unless you're actually pushing off the ground. So, like I said, at roughly three steps every second, you're touching the ground for a really minimal amount of time. So you've got to be able to put all that force down and push off the ground really quickly. So you need to be able to activate the muscles efficiently. Right. And then that also takes us to our fourth phase, which is the float phase of running. So part of the thing that makes running and walking different is that you spend a small amount of time completely airborne where both of your feet are off the ground. So running can literally help you fly. Yes, running does help you fly. You have to fly, otherwise <laughs> right. you're not actually running. Right, you're actually just walking or speed walking. So so here's the thing, okay, like I said, a lot of people think about the calf during the push-off phase, but the calf is actually active throughout all four phases of gait in either a concentric muscle contraction or an eccentric muscle contraction. So the concentric is the the push-off, okay? That's when the muscle shortens and kind of creates that power. An eccentric muscle contraction is like a controlled lengthening of the muscle. And so that's how it is active the majority of the time throughout the running gait cycle. Okay, so we're going to go through this a lot with calves, but it's much easier. I have found over years of trying to remember the difference between concentric and eccentric um, if you think of a bicep curl. Mm-hmm. So concentric is curling, right? And then an eccentric con, eccentric contraction contraction mm-hmm. is taking like an actual dumbbell in your arms and slowly lowering it back down. Right. That's really hard, and you're like, but I'm just lowering it, okay? But do it really, really slowly, mm-hmm. and now it becomes a whole heck of a lot harder. Right. And so the calf is active in both ways during our running cycle, and so that's why it's so important for us to strengthen our calf both ways when we are doing calf strengthening. We're going to get into some details of that later on in the episode. But first, uh, continuing with our background, okay, um, of why this is so important and what we need to be doing as runners, okay? So, yes, we have these four phases of running, right? And the rhythm, if we can transition between those phases very, like, fluidly and smoothly that's what allows us to have that fluid running motion that we see in all the professionals and elites right you don't want herky-jerky motion you don't want to be like all right now i've executed phase one and now it's time to think about phase two it should just flow from one to the next Okay. And, and that's why experience and practice is so important. Right. That's why you look at, I mean, people who have, have run miles upon miles upon miles, whether they're sprinters or ultra marathoners, just the more mileage you've put up on in your legs, the more efficient your form naturally becomes. Mm-hmm. People tend to move towards a more efficient runner running form for them. Right. And I mean, and this goes for anything in your life, right? Like the when you first start doing something, you are so much less less efficient at it than later on after you've done it time after time and practice after practice, right? Like I decided, right? Like 
this week to, to start guitar lessons. Like, I have taken up a new hobby. There's been a lot of guitar in the house. Because clearly I have lots of extra time on my hands, right? Like, But it's one of those things that, like, music has always meant a lot to me, and I've always wanted to play an instrument. So even if I just – I've decided I'm going to do it for five minutes per day minimum, okay? Sometimes if I have a little bit extra time, then I'll, I'll play some more. But I'll tell you what. I have some very, very sore fingertips right now. I didn't realize how much guitar hurt. <laughs> um, but – I'll tell you when I on day one when I first had like picked up the guitar I had a friend over who was going to teach me what she knows she's going to help help me help guide me through these beginning stages of my guitar journey okay and so she was just you know teaching me the very basic like this is the fret this is the neck I'm like I literally know nothing about the guitar like what do I even do here and so learning like my first chord and where my fingers are supposed to be placed and then okay then how do I transition from that one into another one it was crazy I just was like oh my gosh this is so difficult but then you look at people like John Mayer and all these amazing guitar players out there and they just transition so smoothly and so beautifully Um, because obviously they've been doing it for a very long time yeah I mean it's 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 habit. You get to a point where that's just what your fingers are supposed to do it's next. It's crazy. I know. Like, so to for me, I, like, I'm literally on week one of this. Thinking about being able to actually play a song is seems so far off in the distance. Right, because <laughs> you know, you're still thinking about where your fingers go. Oh whereas, yeah. Like, and I, amazing and I guitar to, players aren't really thinking about it. They I have to think about it. I have to watch it. You know, I have to yep. look over and exactly place my fingers. And then like. And then the guitar is so finicky. Like if you don't have the finger exactly on it or if you're not pushing on the string hard enough, it doesn't make the right sound. Yeah. So running is a little bit more forgiving than that. Um, but I don't, I don't think that – see, I think that people think that it is. And that's it, why I say it's and a it little is, more yeah. forgiving. I mean it is, but like it is still something that needs to be practiced and viewed as a craft, right? Like this – it is – to be a good runner, you need to practice your form and your craft and your technique. Right. You can't just go out there and say, all right, well, I run. This is just what I look like when I run. So I guess this is my form. Like there are ways to improve your form. And at first, it is a little uncomfortable to move to that new form. Like you trying to make your fingers hold a particular shape on the guitar strings mm-hmm. is a little uncomfortable. Try and brush your teeth with the opposite hand. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You know the movements, but you don't know them in that way. Mm-hmm. It's just a little uncomfortable. But it is something that you can practice and that you can can improve at it just is it's going to take a little bit of time right because like running form is super important because it can help maximize your ability to reuse the forces of the ground like what does that mean right so like i said before equal and opposite reactions so when our foot hits the ground the ground throws another force right back at us and the, if we have better running form and stronger calf muscles and better calf muscles, we can use that force to help propel us forward instead of essentially putting a brake on every single time we hit the ground. Right. And then good running form also helps us take the strength that we have in our muscles and use it to propel ourselves forward rather than waste that energy on something else. So like the car analogy, if you drive a car In theory, like a gallon of gas should get you like 400 miles, but it doesn't. It gets you 40 miles because it's like 90% wasted energy. Mm -hmm. It's this massive amount of wasted energy. So 
improving your running form is literally like improving the engine of a car so that you can keep getting a little bit percentage back and that when you fire off your muscles, they actually are being used to propel your body forward at a faster rate or whatever rate that you're trying to go. And you're not just wasting energy towards the world around you. Right. It's the internal combustion engine versus a Tesla. Yes. Right. I mean, a Tesla goes farther and faster because it's got a more efficient fuel economy. Like it still uses fuel, right? Yeah. Like it's electric, but there's still some use of fuel yes, in there. Fuel. Yeah. So, so that's basically what we're doing. We're trying to help you guys turn your bodies from, uh, Little Ford Focuses into beautiful Teslas. I hate on Focus. I didn't hate on Focus. It's an adorable Focus. little car. It is an adorable little car. You never had one. Should I, should I call it a Geo Prism instead? Oh, definitely don't hate on my Prism. <laughs> that thing was beautiful cherry red a decade before multiple, I got it. Multiple And it Geo became Prisms. a pink car that I was given as a 16-year-old boy. <laughs> Yay. Okay, so back to your running body. All right. So what we want you to start thinking about is your running body, specifically your calves, as a spring, okay? Like, uh, not like a beautiful free-flowing mountain spring. That's not the kind of spring we want here. No, like opens your good garage door spring. Yes, like a super tightly coiled spring, okay? Shocks on your car kind of spring. Shocks on your car kind of spring, exactly. So basically when your muscles and tendons are springy that's what we want we want your your spring to be very stiff like kevin said like garage doors car um shocks those are super tightly coiled springs so much so that like if a spring accidentally were to come off like it could do some major damage right yeah like it would it could kill somebody (laughs) there's the number of warnings on the different things inside of the garage door is just like do not ever remove the springs over here unless you are a trained professional like what the spring may uh enter the body like what what how is that going to happen it's like no well because it's really tightly coiled so it's going to come undone and shoot off fast enough that it could go through you right another thing you could think about it would be a rubber band okay when you get a, a rubber band if it's a brand new rubber band it's super springy and it's super tight right and then the more you stretch it like and if so if you take that brand new rubber band and you go to shoot it at some something we're not going to say someone right some something or freshman <laughs> or freshman <laughs> if you try to shoot a rubber band at something right you just have to pull it back a little bit and that thing will fly okay but take that same rubber band after it's been stretched out and try to make it stretch like it's going to stretch a lot more but it's not going to give you that same power return and it's not going to fly as far Right, so that's that's your biggest issue is you want you want solid springs that are really going to be difficult to compress, difficult to stretch back out because if you can get the really tightly coiled spring to actually compress or stretch, its ability to rebound is phenomenal. Yeah, the you, power return on it is exponential. Yeah, you take a slinky and you stretch the thing out, it'll bring itself back to the middle sort of like it doesn't eventually right and it doesn't coil itself back up all the way super tight it gets itself basically back to the middle and, and when then it, you like twist it that little tiny bit and it never lines up again i know but let me finish my metaphor on the Sorry. slinky so when if you've taken a slinky <laughs> and you let go of it on both ends it'll recoil towards the middle but it won't completely tightly coil itself back up 
And if you keep watching it, there's still going to be waves of vibration within the slinky going up and down in both directions. That's not what you want. Like You want to get all of the, the energy that was stored in that spring back out of the spring immediately because then your legs will literally help you run without having to fire the muscles. You just store some energy in a tendon and then use it to make yourself go forward. Exactly. So that's the whole point of your calf muscles, right? So when you hit the ground, you're tendon your your um, calf muscles and the tendons they all absorb that force and then they basically just transfer it to, to help push you forward okay so if your muscles and tendons are too lax they cannot quickly store that energy from the impact and then recycle it to propel you forward like it's just that energy transfer doesn't happen as efficiently so basically what happens then if you don't have the springiness in your muscles and your tendons specifically your tendons um, then the muscle have to make up for that okay so then your muscles are contracting more than they necessarily need to be or more than they should be um so to in order to make up for the loss of force from the lack of springiness in the tendon itself yes exactly follow that yeah okay. so um during the spring i i work with some of the sprinters and jumpers on the track team not extensively because this is not my major focus and area of expertise but i work with the sprinters and the jumpers and one of the the drills they do is single leg hopping okay and it's we just had our academy member our, our training team members that's their one of their exercises this month it's so funny to watch sprinters do this on various surfaces <laughs> because there are sprinters who are phenomenal i mean like Subala, I had a kid last year, he was high tens for the hundred. He was under 11 seconds for the hundred meters. And if you put him on like a concrete surface and said, I just want you on one leg to bounce up in the air. And when you land, just hop back up off the ground. He didn't even have to try. Like he jumped up in the air, the foot landed and he immediately rebounded as though his leg itself, like as though there were springs on the bottom of his shoe because the, it just, it, bounced him right back up mm -hmm. his the the tendons in his calves were so tight and able to go he didn't think about it he, he hopped he landed and it bounced right back up then we did it on the track which is a rubberized track mm -hmm. where you'd think that the squishy surface would help him but it didn't because mm -hmm. it was a softer surface so he went to land and he, the track absorbed all of the the cushion so from a distance runner we're all like oh this is such an amazing track it's nice and soft and squishy but it takes away his energy return mm -hmm. then i put him on the grass and he tried to hop and he goes like i have to keep hopping what's going on i'm like Haha, i've cushioned the ground beneath you <laughs> <laughs> like physics is what happened to you. He goes, but, but why? I'm like, because we need to practice you actually activating the muscles to get you springing back and getting your brain to say, I don't care what the surface is. My tendons will still help me spring. So at first you, like he was really good on hard surfaces, but as I took him to the softer and softer things, it was slowly coming around that mm -hmm. his body would then naturally respond and spring back. And after like a month, he could spring really easily on the, gra on the grass without having to use his calf muscle mm -hmm. that much. The tendon was just ready to go now. Right, and now that made the tendon also a better spring for the harder surfaces. Exactly. Right. So then you take it to a really hard surface and the kid, I mean, he just, he bounced down the track without even worrying about firing the calves. So then you throw the calves on top of it and it was... It was ridiculous. Yeah, because you built up essentially the the stiffness 
and the springiness of that tendon. So a lot of times people think that stiffness is a bad thing, and it's not in this case, okay? Not in this one. In this case, you want your tendons to be stiff because the stiffer your tendons are, we're not talking about muscle stiffness, okay? This, this is a difference. So the tendon is the way that your muscle attaches to the bone, okay? Your Achilles tendon is one of the biggest tendons in the body. So that's one of the ones that we're talking about today, especially because that's what attaches your calf muscles to the bone of your heel, okay? So you want your Achilles tendon to be stiff so that it will become a better spring for you. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to your guitar playing. If you take all of the strings on your guitar and make them all super, super loose, Mm -hmm. you're not really doing a whole lot of music over there. Well, that's what the tuning is, right? Like, my my friend that came over to teach me, she's like, well, is your guitar in tune? I'm like, I don't know. Beats the heck out of me. How do I know how to do that? (laughs) She's like, oh, here, you can use my tuner. I go, how do I use that? (laughs) Like, I literally know nothing. That's a cool looking toy. Yeah, what do I do with that? Okay, so think of your, your calf as a spring, okay? Next thing, your body is also an active engine, okay? So we've got our passive springs in our tendons, right, that absorb the energy and then just transfer that energy to help create more power for us as runners. Now we also have an active engine in the rest of our body, and that's where the muscles come in, okay? So your muscles actually are the ones that contract to push your body up and forward, Right. So in the running motion, you've got lots and lots of muscles that are firing. Obviously, today we're talking calves. But as I pointed out at the beginning, sure, the glutes are firing. You've got hamstrings that are lifting your your leg up behind you. They bend your knee. They bend your knee. And they also extend the hip. But that's the problem with like if if the glutes aren't doing their job, then the hamstrings compensate by extending the hip more, even though the glutes should be doing that, which is what leads to a lot of hamstring strains in runners. Right. And people also think if you look at a lot of like fast runners, their, their foot comes up really high behind them. Like Olympic level marathoners are almost kicking themselves in the butt with each stride. And so then you get recreational runners out there who are like, Oh, that's what my form is supposed to look like. And in order to do it, they're just driving their foot off the ground and like essentially doing like a over-exaggerated hamstring curl with every single step. Right. How far you lift your foot up behind you is a component of how fast you're running. Right, because it's, again, that inertia. Yeah. So you your leg is going to lift up behind you as much as it needs to. Like, if... If you are going an appropriate pace, your leg is going to lift up. If you pick up the pace, your leg will lift up a little bit higher. Pick it up even more. Go out and try and sprint for a little bit. And now try and sprint with a shuffling motion. It's not going to work. Like, you will naturally do this. The same way that when you swing your leg through so that your foot can land in front of you, you naturally point your toes up to the sky. Otherwise, you would trip your toe on the ground underneath you. Like, it just, it naturally happens. The hamstring comes, your foot comes up behind you because your hamstring activates enough to bend your knee like these are all things that just sort of happen your body still has to use the muscles but they're almost reactions oh, yeah they, they definitely are it's like this beautiful synergistic motion throughout the whole body so calves you, like your calves they also contract okay the calf muscle themselves so there's two main muscles in your calf there's the gastrocnemius and there's the soleus and they kind of work hand in hand those are the two calf muscles whenever we talk about them what they work hand in hand we're talking calves they work work foot and foot foot and foot yeah Mm. i guess that's true so your gastroc and soleus essentially work to contract in order to propel you forward and and give you that strong push-off but 
they do more than they should if the other muscles are weak, like we just talked about, like the glute max, like your gluteus maximus helps to extend your hip. If that's not strong enough, then your hamstrings kick in, but then it does, like, and if your hip flexors are tight, then your calves are going to do more work. Like, so there's a lot of, you know, different ways that if you have tightness or weakness in one area, then other muscles kind of kick in to help. So this is especially um, true, like, for running uphill, right? Your calves are really important for running uphill. So are your quads and your glutes, right? So if you've got weakness in one area, then one, then your other muscle groups are going to be trying to kind of make up for that, which can lead to overuse of those muscles and calf strains yeah you make a really good point there like you have to activate glutes and quads and calves predominantly going predominantly everything's active everything's going but those are your major three so if you're trying to figure out where your weakness in the chain is try and sprint up a hill for 30 seconds which muscle screams first Mm -hmm. because something's going to scream you're sprinting up a hill for 30 seconds like you you can't sprint full blast up a hill for 30 seconds it's just not going to work so whichever thing is screaming first is probably your area of weakness that you might want to spend some time on yeah it could be that or that could be the one that is compensating for another area oh if it quickly moved over for compensation yeah you know like so so yes it, it can help you narrow things down but don't always go with the most obvious answer because it could be coming from somewhere else because it's probably your glutes <laughs> Today we're talking about the calf. All right. All right. So let's let's continue on. Okay. So we talked about the muscles firing and how it's essentially this amazing sort of reaction that your body just knows what the next thing should be. But there are times where your muscles really need to fire. So if you're trying to pick up the pace, the muscles need to fire more. If you're running uphill, gravity is not helping you. You're you're going against it. You can essentially use the the reaction the springiness of your muscles and gravity lean forward a little bit and your body will just go downhill but running uphill running fast you have to activate these muscles and it has to go through this continuous cycle of the muscles activated and then the muscle is relaxed or deactivated and it essentially gets provided with more fuel so that it can fire off again it happens a lot it happens incredibly rapidly and then within each muscle it's all within the fibers and it gets a little complicated but essentially there's this continuous cycle of muscles firing and taking a break and firing and taking a break over and over and over again right and so that kind of leads us to um our next point which is that the the running body is beautifully intertwined right so we talked about it being a passive spring an active engine but these two things need to work together as a unit, right? So we have our active machine that coordinates with that passive spring to create this beautiful motion of running. Right. So if you don't actually try and activate the muscles at the appropriate time with where like the spring is firing correctly, you're going to have awkward form. Okay. So the idea is basically right as you push off the spring that you sort of tightened on landing is now going to stretch back back out and help you go. So if you then activate the calf muscle and say, okay, now it's time to push off and toe off that push of the spring and the push of your calf being activated as, as a muscle need to happen simultaneously. Otherwise it's like trying to push a kid on a swing and you're trying to push them forward every time they come back into you. Like you want to make sure that as you push the kid on the swing, you give that extra boost right as they start going away from you. Like the push, need your 
extra is sort of the the machine part of it is you adding the extra boost needs to happen right as the swing is ready to actually swing forward yeah it's that rhythm it's working with the system right otherwise like every time the kid comes back into you you just smack him in the back like (laughs) that's not going to be good one they're not going to go any higher on the swing two they're they're probably going to fall off of it so that's something breaking that's literally how you would then injure yourself is you're trying to fire off muscles at the wrong time compared to when like the spring is trying to unload itself right and so as we get older and as our spring changes that's when problems can occur so calf strains calf pain calf injuries achilles problems are very common as we tend to get older okay so in master's level runners that's everyone over the age of 40s so the majority of our audience the calf problems are one of the most common issues that runners are dealing with in this age group, okay? When we're younger, it tends to be more like bone stress injuries like shin splints or stress fractures or those kinds of things. Not that those things can't happen when you're older, but it just tends to kind of shift over into more like muscular and tendon problems. Okay, so when... When you're looking at this of like how do these two uh, systems work together, the active and the passive system, if you change the active system, like if you change how quickly you're taking steps, the passive just comes along for the ride. But when you change the passive system, that's what we're talking about today is the soft tissue. When you change the springiness of the springs, when you change how the muscles are able to fire, that causes an issue and then if the active system if your muscles aren't keeping up with it then everything gets out of rhythm so you talked about how as we get older we lose some of the springiness inside Mm -hmm. of our tendons the problem is as we get older we also tend to lose some of the strength inside of our muscles correct so right as you lose the springiness and you'd have to rely more on your muscles your muscles are also beginning to atrophy right because there's something called sarcopenia which basically is the loss of muscle mass as we get older and there are definitely things that we can do to help counteract that okay Thank god yes and and strength training your favorite i love it is one of those things right? i tell myself every day i love strength training and this is why strength training is so important for runners because yes we do as runners we do tend to have stronger muscles especially leg muscles but we do have this natural thing of like our muscles just start to lose mass over time and one of the best ways to counteract that is by resistance and heavier strength training heavier strength training heavier and more targeted yes i mean it doesn't it's not like you have to be lifting your max you know max lifts every day or even every week runners can get a lot of really good benefit just from body weight training because running is a body weight exercise like most runners aren't running with you know packs on themselves not generally i mean like i mean ultras ultras yeah but usually those packs are pretty darn light you know you you you, you pack for lightness it's not like you're (laughs) you're packing for speed right you're not packing you know 50 pounds on your back right so when we as we're getting older right our, our spring can change and problems can occur so the soft tissue which includes our muscles, our tendons, our ligaments, the the connective tissue, the fascia, all of that is considered soft tissue. So these changes, like some of, sometimes they can become more stiff, they can become more relaxed, they can generally just kind of get gummed up, and all of that can alter our running gait in terms of form and of cadence. And changing your running form then goes all the way back to the beginning of, well, this is the general things that have to follow in a running form, and it's a beautiful fluid motion, but if you start getting more relaxed springs or just 
the, the gummed up one is, is a tricky one because as you, you know, um, push yourself through various workouts and, and whether it's strength training or like harder running days or something like that, you're literally, you're breaking the muscle down. And if it doesn't come back correctly, then the muscles just aren't firing smoothly. If you get, you know, mild tears, not like you, you spin. Um, like shred your tendon or something like that, but there's going to be damage. Micro trauma. Thank you, micro trauma. Mm -hmm. There's going to be small damage to the area and a little bit of inflammation. That means that it's just not going to operate optimally. Yeah. And so that's going to cause change in form. Is that change in form then going to have follow-on effects of causing greater inflammation, causing pain in another area? Right, exactly. So hopefully you guys have a better understanding now of kind of why calf issues tend to increase as we get older um, and you know, kind of what's going on in the body. Like when we talk about the different cycles of the running gait, we talked about um, the springiness and the stiffness of our tendons, why that's so important. So now what can we do about it, right? Because as runners, we always want to know what we can do about it. We want to figure out ways that we can kind of either reverse the clock or sure as heck slow it down. Slow the clock down. Slow it down, right? So the key here is to how how do we maintain those tight springs, which are our, our tendons, and those strong muscles without just tearing things up and doing all sorts of damage to make us get injured and put on the sidelines you're like, again. oh, well, we need to do strength training with some, like, solid weights. Sweet. So I'm going to put the bar across my shoulders and strap, like, five plates on each side mm-hmm. and then do some calf raises. Calf raises. <laughs> and, and suddenly my tendons are shredded, no longer attached to the heel anymore. Well, and... I mean, if you yeah, if you start with that, like, you can definitely build up to that. But there are, there's a definitely better ways to do this okay and so one of the first things that you can start to do are running drills okay like we just said these are things that we teach our high school athletes our our runners on day one or day two i think well day one got rained out this year so day two um so some of the very basic running drills that you can do are heel walking toe walking and skips like yeah. literally skipping any form of skips and i mean you can you can youtube all sorts of different skips we've got videos ourselves and things of this yeah if you don't follow us on instagram and facebook make sure you do that because we put out a video every week on different running drills or different strength training exercises that you can incorporate into your routine right but heel and toe walking are super simple like they are exactly what they sound it is take 20 to 30 steps where only your heel hits the ground so toes are pointed towards the sky and not where you land on your heel and roll forward that's that's walking well that was actually our drill of the week this this week perfect we released that video on tuesday make sure that the toes point to the sky the entire time and that it's it's an awkward form your knees are essentially locked the whole time and you're just walking on your heels and that's okay because you're supposed to be doing that that's that means you're doing it right and then toe walking the heel never touches the ground it's it's just Mm tiptoeing like it sounds cooler and far more manly which is why i named it toe walking rather than calling it (laughs) tiptoeing and then skips is more of a dynamic um exercise where you're essentially you you land on the ground and you kind of spring up it's like little mini jumps and it doesn't have to be super high i mean they can get higher as you go like there are high skips there are long skips there are a skips b skips c skips there's all sorts of different kinds of skips that you can do but you could literally just go out and skip like a little kid would down the street Yes, if you focus on skips as 
as a small kid would. They try and skip from one point to the other as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. And that, in terms of trying to to activate the calves and get them to to gain the greatest benefit out of this, fast skips is really your best thing. Don't worry about driving the knee and getting the... Just try as quick as you can to skip from one place to the other. And uh, you're going to really work on tightening the coil of that spring. Right, exactly. So running drills can help with your form. They can help with your strength. They can help with um, strengthening the, the stiffness of the tendons. Um, you can also work on kind of range of motion of your ankle, right? Going up and down on your toes. So that also is a great strength exercise. Okay. So there's a lot of these things that you can do that don't take a lot of time and that hit multiple th- in, you know, ways to improve what's going on. Okay. So calf raises are the classic strength training exercise for, um, strengthening your calves, which is just going up and down on your toes. You, you lift your heels up and go all the way up on your toes and the ball of your foot and then lower your heels back down. Okay. That's going to improve the strength of your calf muscles. And it's also going to improve the range of motion in your ankles. Now, the key here is going through the full range of motion of the ankle. A lot of people, when they do heel raises, they just go like they raise them up a little and then go back down. I mean, I was yelling at our kids, not yelling at them, but like our cross country kids, we had them doing heel raises last week and they were just... She definitely raised her voice. I definitely did. I was wearing a mask, so it was important that they heard me, (laughs) but they were like taking, you know, like lifting their heel like an inch off the ground. I'm like, get up onto the ball of your foot. Like you need to go through the whole motion. And they were wearing shoes so some of them their calf raises were so little that they felt as though the pressure had been taking off of their heel but the shoe itself hadn't actually left the ground like within the shoe the heel just slid up enough that they're like oh yeah no I'm airborne now and I'm looking at them like your foot hasn't moved off the ground if you're doing a proper calf raise, you should have a pretty substantial lift of your heel. Multiple off the inches. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not sure what your full range of motion is, then hold onto a table and lift yourself as high as you can on your toes. That's as high as you should be getting. And now stop holding onto the table and using that to lift yourself up, but see if you can maintain that regular full range of motion. Right. So as runners, calf raises are super important. Um, and once you can do double leg calf raises, Raises, like going up and down on both single leg are really really important because that's essentially what running is right single leg like you're basically jumping and from one leg to the next so you're pushing off with one leg landing on the other and then pushing off t- and then t- repeating that cycle over and over and over again i'm pretty sure my 5k pr would be substantially slower if it was just two foot hopping the entire way <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So you can progress from double leg calf raises to single leg calf raises. Then you can progress to eccentric calf raises where you're doing like um, a quick up and a slow down. Like there's there's lots of ways to progress this. Then you can progress it to on a step. Then you can progress it to a hop and a skip and a jump. Like there's so many different ways that you can progress this. Um, Suddenly you're a triple jump coach there with a hop, skip, and jump. Hop, skip, and a jump. Um, And you know, a lot of people can get too bogged down in all this. Like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. And it's not that complicated. Like throw some calf raises in, throw some single leg calf raises in, throw in some running drills, and it's going to help improve both the muscle strength and also the stiffness of your tendons so that you can help hopefully prevent these injuries from occurring and popping up. Right. This does not need to be this like overwhelming, super complicated thing. Put some calf raises in. It does not need to become a massive problem where your calves are so sore and you've got 
Achilles tendonitis that is just this chronic ongoing thing where you're able to run for three weeks and then you have to take two weeks off and just ice your calves. Like that's not what it is. It's, it's a problem that is going to keep coming back. Like, and it, it starts, I mean, you point out that it's a bigger problem in masters runners, but this problem starts earlier. Like you start getting essentially looser springs at like 30 ish. Mm -hmm. So pretty much everybody listening, we don't have a a huge viewership of, of 20 somethings. Um, so this, this is something that you need to deal with because it's a problem that can't be ignored. You can't just pretend that it's going to go away. It is in fact, just going to become more of an issue. There are ways to address it. You just have to actually address the issue. Right. And so that brings us to our new segment, which is the challenge of the week. Yes. Challenge of the week. Do you want to do your drum roll? No, I think I'm just going to go enthusiastic oh, challenge you're of the just, week. You're just going to go like Mr. Muscle Lifter there. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, for right. this, this week's challenge. For I this think. week's challenge. Um, okay. So uh, since we're talking about calf raises and calf strengthening and all that issue, that's... We're going to give you some glute exercises. <laughs> Yes, we are. We're going to make you talk about gratitude. Um, but that was our our challenge last week. So if you missed that, make sure that you go find that post on social media or in the tribe and post about your gratitude for from last week, um, which is super important. But for this week, we are going to be doing a calf raise challenge, okay? So little disclaimer, make sure that you know you are in good health. If you have any sort of Achilles or calf problems, make sure you check with your doctor or your physical therapist before engaging in any sort of physical challenge like the ones we're giving out on a random podcast. Yes, yes. Do not undergo the calf raise challenge if you are currently recovering from a shredded Achilles. Yes. Don't do that. Not a good idea. Okay, so make sure that you check with your medical provider if you have any history of calf or Achilles problems, um, especially if you have a recent calf or Achilles problem. All right, what's the challenge? But if you are a healthy runner and you have no pain or problems, okay, the challenge is to gently hold on to a surface like I don't want you putting any sort of weight down on that surface but if you need to hold on to something for balance I'll usually tell people to just hold on with like one or two fingers just for a little bit of balance okay so the challenge is how many single leg calf raises can you do on each side until you fatigue okay because there's going to be a point where you're just like okay i cannot do anymore and my foot won't go off the ground anymore that's done oh it burns man i did them this morning it it, it's really starts to hurt to burn and you just like i can't do anymore okay what is that number for you okay so so standing on two legs you're going to lift one leg up hold on to something for a little bit of balance if you need to but make sure you're not actually putting weight on it you're going to go Go up all the way onto the ball of your foot, okay? That's the key. Full range of motion here. Like if you just lift it an inch, that doesn't count, all right? You have to go all the way up onto the ball of your foot and your toes and then slowly lower that heel back down, okay? Right, that's the other aspect is beyond full range of motion, you have to keep a regular cadence, which is essentially... I mean, we don't have to make it super precise, but it's up, down. It's one second up, one second down. Down. Right. Like we actually set a metronome for our kids at practice last week. We did. It was fun. Then they couldn't hear it. So then I had to yell out up and down. Yeah. And then they forgot that they were supposed to be counting. Yeah. So, but it's, it's a slow process. So it's not just like shoot yourself all the way to the top and then collapse and then wait for the next time it's supposed to go up. It's lift up go down. Yeah. Lift up. So this needs go to be down. in a controlled motion, 1 second up, 1 second down, like and it should be 1 second on the second. Okay? So just, you know, watch your 
watch. Watch, watch your watch. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're like our high school kids and don't wear a watch, which I don't, because still don't understand. Watches aren't cool. Still don't understand <laughs> that. Um, you know, then use your the timer on your phone or something. So go up for a second, down for a second, up for a second, down for a second. And as soon as you cannot maintain that same rhythm, then you're done. Then you're also okay? done. That's that's the end. Okay, so make sure you count. That was the other thing they forgot to do. Yep. Like I'm like, okay, how many did you guys do? And they go, I didn't count. I'm like, what? How did you not count? Like we. T- <laughs> but anyway, we digress. Like you guys are probably going to be sick of cross country high school cross country stories yeah. over the, the next couple months here. Um, so maintain the rhythm. Go up for a second. Go down for a second. See how many you can do on your left side, and then see how many you can do on your right side. And write that number down. Okay. See if is there a big difference between two sides. If so, you know what pain aches and pains do you have? Like when there's an imbalance in the body like that, that can lead to a lot of like aches and pains and injuries. Right. And sometimes aches and pains and injuries in the opposite side. Yeah. So if you got one side that you made it to 30 and the other side that you made it to 10, it turns out that the side that made it to 30 is actually going to have the pain because it's overcompensating for for the, the right. Yeah. So after you do our challenge of the week, either on Instagram, on Facebook, or inside of our Facebook tribe, we want you to find our post that we have up. That post is on Fridays, the challenge of the week, and put your number in the comments below that post and let us know how many you did. Um, and that would be your running challenge of the week. Yes. And you don't have to do it in on Friday, especially if you have a Saturday long run coming. Yeah. That might not be the best combo. Because Very good point. If you're doing calf raises to exhaustion, your calves are still going to be sore and feeling it the next day. So yeah. plan out. Please participate in the challenge. It's going to be a blast. But make sure that you've got a recovery day planned in for the next day. Yeah, because you can do this challenge any day from Thursday of this week when our podcast comes out till Wednesday of next week, okay? It's the whole weekly challenge. So definitely a good point. Um, Expect to be sore after you do this, okay? So if you're sore either later that day or the next day, that is a normal thing, okay? If you're sore three or four days later, that's not so normal. That is not so normal. Okay, all right, so, so there we go. So strengthening your calves both the muscles and the tendons are super duper important um, working on your spring your stiffness your muscle strength all of that is going to help you to become a stronger runner a faster runner and help you to prevent injuries in the future excellent all right guys so that's what we have for you today thank you so much for joining us and spending this time with us Make sure that you're connected with us somewhere on social media, whether it's on Instagram, on Facebook, or it's in our Facebook tribe, so that you can let us know how your weekly challenge of the week went, and you can catch all the great information and posts that we send out weekly to make to help you become a better runner, okay? We give out strength exercises, running drills, mindset things, all sorts of fun stuff. So connect with us on whichever social platform you like the most. We're at Real Life Runners on all of them on Instagram, Facebook, and then of course we have our Facebook tribe which you can gain access to over at realliferunnerstribe.com. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 157. Now get out there and run your life.